those of you who um, have any connection with uh, Russian Bali Chuva from America or even from other places should know what rage is. It's not kas, but it's Russian-American Jewish experience. And we've had many, many students come through being Mikurov by rage, which has really become the main Kirov uh, organization for Russian-Americans. And again, since the Soviet Union, you guys, you guys grew up with the Soviet Union being open for Jews to leave. But it wasn't always that way. They had to smuggle out, and there was uh, anti-religion. But they, when they came to America, they needed a, they were, they needed a lot of Kirov, and they got a lot of Kirov. And uh, Rabbi Katsin has been a major player in rage. Um, one of our, I think he was here recently, Simcha Asnes, um, was a big Talmud here, and his wife was a Talmud in Midrash Rachel. And they became major players in rage when they went back. Um, and I had assumed that since Rabbi Katsin is very involved with rage, that Simcha and his wife work for Rabbi Katzin, but Rabbi Katzin, in all honesty, said that he works for them because they run the organization. And he's, you know, we, I, one of the words I don't like is Kiruv because it's not Kiruv, it's Chinuch. There's lots of kinds of Chinuch. All right, you can do Chinuch, you can teach Torah to people who know lots of Torah, like they do in the Hebron Yeshiva. And you can teach Torah to people who know a little Torah, like we do here. And you can teach Torah to people who know no Torah, which is what rage does. So we're very honored to have Rabbi Katzin share with us some, inspira- some of his inspirational ideas and stories uh, to maybe motivate us to play a role in re- teaching Torah to people who don't know Torah. Okay, first of all, it's uh, really my honor uh, to share some words with you, and especially for Hashem seeing friends and uh, knowing that many of the students here know uh, our Talmud Simcha. So actually Simcha, in a way, is the reason that uh, I'm here today because I was speaking uh, somewhere in remote in a shul and um, mentioned uh, just the name Simcha said something to another Talmud of Reish Mordechai. And uh, Mrs. Margulis said, Oh, are you talking about Simcha Asnes? I said, Yes, how did you know? <laughs> So I have to say that Simcha Asnes is a very, very special person. Really, uh, it's a projection of your wonderful Torah institution. Because Torah is, uh, of course, mitzvahs, and of course, benodom lemokem, but uh, maybe the foundation of Torah is derecheretz kadmul Torah. And uh, Simcha has a tremendous derecheretz for people. Together with his wife, Gabi, the Mama Shekidush Hashem for us, as an organization, for our Talmudian, for our alumni. And in a way that the nucleus, the, the fire, the magnet, the light, together. And what Simcha did in a very special way, even when he was a Bokhar, when he was on Rage Tree, because we bring many students here after learning to Eretz Yisrael on the trip. So what Simcha did, at the end of the trip, uh, where he was part of the trip, he was not already a camper on the trip, but rather a misayir, a person who was helping the state. But nevertheless, he took his own money and he went to a bookstore, to a forum store, and he found specific books for each person according to his midas as a brocha. And at the end of the trip, in the final banquet, he was usually giving a brocha and saying, oh, for you is this book, because this is who you are. And for you, I know you, and these are your midas, and this is a safer for you, and this is a safer for you. 
And it was so powerful. Actually, I lived through it just recently. We just recently had a trip where Simcha and Gabi were together. And the highlights of the trip was actually this final session where Simcha and Gabi were giving presents, but more importantly, giving brochas. And to each one individual brocha, to each boy by Simcha and to each girl by Gabi, and every single one of us were moved. We really were moved to, 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 to feel how people were inspired and everybody was really, uh, from the depth of their heart, grateful to them. So I, in my uh, words, said, I'm a Sameach. Someone who gives brocha is Sameach. So the, the, my brocha to Simcha and Gabi was, since they giving brochas and giving Simcha to others, they should be misamech themselves. What goes around comes around. So, therefore, I wanted to dedicate um, the few words that I'm sharing with you to Simcha and Gabi on one hand, meaning Simcha, and also to the concept of Him Simcha as well. And uh, this Simcha, this idea of Simcha, I think it's a very crucial. So, first of all, I understand Boch Hashem, we have people that already have their families, and they want to build their families, make them even stronger, to build by his name and by his role. And I think that Simcha is very crucial to continuous Sholem Bayis, especially for people who are not married yet, and they want to understand like how to approach how to approach marriage. What is marriage? How to create a family? What is your, why your, what is your major responsibility as a husband? Interesting. What is your major responsibility, husband? What do you do to make sure that your family is moving in the right, right direction? So first of all, maybe let me pause and say, what do you think is actually so essential for a husband to share with his wife? Anybody can help me? What do you think is really major? I understand that some people already have years of experience, some people think about what is crucial for them to be a successful husband, husband who can raise a family and children will follow him and um, his wife will be happy with him. But like, what is one important quality that you can identify? Yes? Attention. 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 In other words, listening. Okay, beautiful. Okay. It is very, very important. Another, another idea. What else is very important? What, what do you think is also very crucial? What do you think? Any other ideas? In one word, attention was beautiful. Okay, giving attention, hundred percent attention is respect. Very important. Rambam says, How you mechabit with your attention? You show respect to your wife. Beautiful. But nevertheless, there is something more important. I believe even than attention. Yes, giving, giving is unbelievably important. But the question is, giving what? Attention. <laughs> what else? Emotional support. Okay. In, in terms of halacha, or Jewish terminology, it says, v'somach, right? Es ishtoi. It means there is a mitzvah on a husband to be misameach es ishtoi. You called it emotional support, but this is really something that we obligate, accepting the achrais of the ksuba. But in a broader sense, I heard in the name, actually, Nemunas Etecho by Moshe Wolfson, uh, the Mashgiach of the Yeshiva Tervadas, 
he writes a beautiful idea uh, that actually reveals the secret of the word Simcha. Since I'm speaking about my Talmud Simcha, and I love this name Simcha, and I think that the main topic and what you should walk away with should be Simcha, even though we're talking about nine days. And you can say, how can we speak about Simcha when it says, Mematim Simcha since Rosh Chodesh tonight, and I want to speak about Simcha. Is it appropriate to speak about Simcha now or not? Or maybe I should speak only about Avelos. What do you think? What do you think? I think, yeah. Why? Simcha is Torah. First of all, Simcha is Torah. I, when I grew up in Russia, I knew nothing. I didn't know Shabbat exists. I didn't know religion exists, Jewish religion. I didn't know about Shul even exists. Interesting. I never heard about Pesach. Can you imagine this? Moscow jury. I heard about matzah that my grandmother brought home. Matzah. Okay, we ate matzah. But Pesach, I heard about Pascha of the Christians. But Simcha's Torah I did here. And I thought Simcha's Torah is one word. Because it's a, it's a Jewish yontav that all the Jews in Moscow used to come, would dance together, then it was later on already my college years. But I thought Simcha's Torah is one word. And then I learned that Simcha is joy and Torah is knowledge or whatever, whatever with wisdom. But you know what? My uh, childhood understanding that Simcha's Torah is really one is important because there is no learning Torah without joy. If you're not connecting with joy, especially when you daven, when you say Hashem veharev, now Hashem make it sweet, make it joyful for me. That's why a special responsibility of, of Rabbeim and Talmidim to fulfill the halacha of En Odom Lomet Elabemokam Shalibuchovitz. A person has to learn the place in the Torah, in the Mishnah, in the Gemara, in the Yeshiva he likes. Because if he's not connected with liking of his heart, there is disconnect with Torah. So Simcha's Torah is important. Okay, therefore, definitely we can speak about Simcha always. But how come it says, Mematim Basimcha? Why, why I want to speak about Simcha anyway? So Balei Musar say Mimatim. It doesn't mean there is no Simcha. We just Mimatim Basimcha. And I believe we Mimatim Basimcha in order to later on to be Marbe Basimcha. Sometimes when you have something you don't appreciate it. When you lose a little bit of it you begin appreciating it more. So Rav Desar actually writes that our preparation for Simcha Torah begins now. Because first we need to get together, united, and feel each other's pain on Yudzayn Betamuz, three weeks on Tisha B'Av, and then will be time of Nechoma, seven weeks of Nechoma, and then it will be Roshon Yom Kippur, V'samachta Bechagecha of Sukkot, and then the, the, the Simcha of the Simcha Torah. But it's all step by step from feeling your pain and then fulfilling the mitzvah by the way, do you know Vilna Goin asked an interesting question what is the most important mitzvah in the Torah? very interesting what do you think is the most important mitzvah in the Torah? what do you think? dying on Kiddush Hashem? or maybe circumcision without anesthesia like Russia? <laughs> or what? or what? Like especially at, you know, 20 years old, 30 years old, 40 years old but what is the most difficult mitzvah? Surprising. Agro writes the most difficult mitzvah with Samachta Bechagecha. Why? Why it's the most difficult mitzvah? People come on Simcha's Torah in the shul 
and they see people dance and they feel empty. You can smile, maybe you can move a little bit, but what am I celebrating here, no? Did you ever feel it? Like a little empty inside, like what's going on over here today? Like simple story. I supposed to I supposed to be happy. How do I do it? Very similar problem is people people come on Tisha uh, to the shul and they see people read kinas, like wonderful weather. Feels so great, so good, everything is so nice, right? Like why why cry? Like why crying? Like how, how do you feel sadness and mourning at that time? But the truth is, maybe anyone can help me. How do you do this? Let me stop for a second. How do you do it? How do you actually feel mourning at Tisha B'Av and feel joy on uh, uh Store? How do you do this? Any any ideas? Any help? That's basically, I would say that is the main thing that I wanted to discuss with you today and maybe walk away with some practical tools for you to know how to do it. Because yes, it is a, an emotional intelligence which is a predictor of your success. Because if someone has an IQ, does not predict success. How wise you are, how smart you are, how intelligent you are does not predict success. Not in business, not in family. Emotional intelligence, yes. What is emotional intelligence? Anyone can give me like a kind of a definition. What is emotional intelligence? Anyone heard? What is emotional? Did you hear these words? Emotional. What is emotional intelligence? Yeah. Predicting the emotions in the mood of the, of the room. I'm not sure it's predicting. Maybe understanding. Perceiving. Perceiving. Actually, there are four parts to emotional intelligence. First of all, understanding your own feelings. Many people are so numb they don't feel anything. You ask, how are you? I'm numb, I don't know. Why are you angry? person is screaming and yelling. You ask him why he's angry. He's not even aware that he's angry. right? So if you're not aware of your own feelings, then you cannot manage them. And then understanding other people's feelings and managing them. So when we're talking about uh, mourning on Tisha B'Av or Simcha on Simcha Torah, there's actually about management of your own feelings. And when Vilna Goin asks what is the most difficult mitzvah, he says, this, because in a way, feeling the pain on Tisha B'Av for the Churban and for the pain of the Jewish history of all generations, including our own, that is the beginning. Because if you, first of all, feel the pain of somebody, and then you know this somebody was trying to get married for years and years, and then you come and you see this person is misamev because this person is getting married. How happy you will be for that person because you felt the pain to the degree you felt the pain. Now you feel the simcha together with that person. So that's why what people what Chazal say, call hamisabel al Yerushalayim. Who can help me to continue it? Kol amisabel al Yerushalayim, zoche. Kol amisabel Yerushalayim, Right? Everybody who's mourning Yerushalayim, the destruction, the churban, but very strange words. Zoche Wouldn't be better to say yiske v'yir'eh. If you would translate to English, probably you would say, 
will merit to see in the future when Mashiach will come. Hazal didn't say that. Hazal said he merits to see the rebuilding of Yerushalayim. Now, very strange. No? Strange? How do you, how do, you do this? So, Rav Dessar explains that to the degree that you feel the pain of another person, you feel the pain of Klaus role, and then you mishtatev in rebuilding, you, the one who felt the pain, you are able also to be misamech with Klaus role. Then, misamechta bechagecho. You know the greatest challenge misamechta bechagecho? Oh, this is Jewish people's simcha. Oh, Purim, it's about Persian Jewry. Simcha story with, you know, how even to relate. Like, what are we celebrating? The Siyam of Shalom HaMelech, 3,000 years ago, or the circle of the Yamim Toivim, what are we celebrating? But, according to Vilna Goen, the greatest uh, achievement of personal life will be to feel himself part of Klaus role. When Jewish Simcha is my Simcha. When their Simcha is my Simcha. But it really begins as a preparation. When I feel their pain is my pain, which is a fulfillment of the mitzvah. If you really feel the pain of another Jew, if you really feel the pain of Klalisro, and you begin feeling the pain, this feeling of the pain will lead you to also being aware and sensitive and able to feel the joy because you cannot feel the pain you will not feel the joy Rabbi Y.Y. Jacobson shared the story that once a Holocaust survivor came to Lubavitch Rebbe and he said to him I cannot talk about it I cannot cry about it I cannot have any simchas high and the Rebbe answered him learn how to cry then you will learn how to be joyful. So in a way, we should look at this time of Tisha B'Av and all the three weeks is means to prepare ourselves for the Simcha. So that is really my main message today. Whatever we speak today, it should be only about preparing ourselves to overcome the difficult times of Tisha B'Av, the Nechoma, then moving to Yom Yom Toivim, and finally be Misameach with Simcha's story. Misameach is learning Torah, but also Misameach, because the question, of course, Vilna Goin said, Aha, that's the most difficult mitzvah. And I spoke about the importance of um, the importance of the mitzvah Simcha for marriage, for business, for career, and anything. And I said that Simcha is the key of person's success based on the concept of emotional intelligence. And I wanted to quote the Mashgiach of Torah Vadas, of Moshe Wilson, who revealed a beautiful thought in the Munasetecha. How do you achieve Simcha? So the first thought that I am sharing with you in the name of uh, Moshe Wilson is, he said that sometimes when we want to understand the essence of the word, certain words even though not written the same way, but you hear them the same way. And if you take the word lismoach, samach, velismoch, also samach. What does it mean samach in Hebrew? 
Do we have Israelis? Do we have people who know what Samach means? What do you mean Samach in Hebrew? I don't mean Lismoch. I mean Lismoch. What do you mean Lismoch in Hebrew? So he says, Moshe Wilson, if you want to reveal the secret of the word Lismoch, look into the word Lismoch. So what does it mean Lismoch in Hebrew? Huh? To rely on something. Therefore, let's say when Moshe Rabbeinu is giving a brocha to Yeshua, what did he do? He put his hands. We call it smicha. My brocha to you, first of all, to receive your smichot, your, your rabbinical ordination. From here we have the concept of rabbinical ordinations. <laughs> you will have a Mirza Hashem, your children, or you have your children, and on Friday night I put my hands on my children and I give them a brocha. The same way. So when a person puts his hands on, let's say, his son or his daughter's head, what does it mean in terms of body language? Why did actually Moshe Rabbeinu samach et yadav? Why did he put his hands on Yahshua's head? It's a body language. What do you think? I rely on you. Why? Why, it's message, why this message is important? From all messages, maybe I should give a kiss? Maybe I should give a hug? Why, why the message, I rely on you? I trust you. I believe in you. If someone trusts you, someone believes in you, it inspires you to believe in yourself. This is what the real leader needs to do. So, Lismoch means to rely upon. Lismoch means to actually show your faith, your trust in this person. But really, Lismoch means to rely upon. So Moshe Wolfson says the following words. Please help me translate. You live in Eretz So meanwhile, I came from New York. So tell me how it sounds in English. Especially English is not my native language. So Moshe Wolfson writes. He says, Miu asameach. Mishe yeshlo lismoch alav. Someone relying... Someone he can rely upon. That he can rely upon. The opposite of simcha is worrying. Simcha, again, according to Vilna Goin, is peace of mind. It's not, it's not sasson. It's not, oh, look at me, I'm so happy. This is an external expression of joy. Simcha is something very internal. I am at peace with myself. I'm not worried about tomorrow. I'm not worried about now because I have someone to rely upon. So, uh, I heard in the name of Rabdovit Lapian, the Rosh Hiv of Mikdash Melech, not in the name. He's, he used to give Shalom uh, uh, Bias classes at my home for my Talmudim for years. And what he said is that the main responsibility of a husband is to be a reliable person. That his wife can rely upon him. A woman is looking for a person that she can rely upon. When a husband comes home, what does he need to do? He had a difficult day. Maybe he was embarrassed. Maybe he was hurt. Maybe he's hurting. Maybe he has problems. But what does he need to do when he comes home, when he opens the door, and his wife is waiting for him? What does he need to do? 
Does he need to come and complain I had a difficult day? Maybe afterwards. Okay, maybe later on. And also in very measured amounts, right? But the first thing he needs to do, as you said, he needs to give attention. He needs to know, as you said, emotional support. He needs to come like Aaron Akoin was lighting the menorah because you, the menorah, coming home and bringing light and bringing warmth. And this is your emotional intelligence. She's worried. And you need to say, Bezis Hashem, I hear you. We'll overcome it. It's difficult. We're going to do it. I'm with you. You're not alone. When you're leading your company, your company has a difficulty. Maybe you're facing bankruptcy. Maybe there are doubts. Maybe there are problems. Maybe there's no money. And who is the leader? It's not who's smart. Because smart person may run away. But the one, <laughs> but the one, but, the, well, but the one, those people who run away, maybe they're they, they smart at, at the moment. But the real leaders, an example today, Zelensky, who was offered to run away from Ukraine, he didn't. Many people in difficult times stand. So the difficulty, and they show leadership. So based on the research of Harvard and, and Yale, leadership is emotional intelligence to lead through difficult times. Not more, not less. That's what leadership is all about. People in a bad mood. You come as a leader with Simcha. Your wife in a bad mood. You come with Simcha. Because Simcha is contagious. Because when you have one happy person, he can bring so much happiness, so much joy. You need to have a happy person as part of your family, as part of your team, and the best of you, that happy person. So, yes, this is very, very crucial, very important for you, for your success, to be a magnet. Because people don't want negative, negativity uh, or negative people. They run away. And when they feel, oh, this person is giving me joy, it's pleasant to work with him. You know, all the, all the doors for you will be open. But how do you achieve Simcha? Here's my question for you. How do you achieve Simcha? It's an important question. How do you achieve Simcha? Simcha Sachaim, simple. If, even though this question, oh, you can write, you know, PhD research, you can write many sporium on this. Yeah, but at the bottom line, everything needs to be very simple. And our job in life, especially learning Torah, to simplify difficulties. Not to complicate something simple. So therefore, the, the very, by the way, idea of learning Gemara, like, like, like what Chaim says, yeah, what Steypeler says, is to take a difficult issue and articulate it in a few simple words. That is what learning Torah is all about. And we say always, Choser Hasbora is Choser Havona. If you cannot say something, it's not because you're lacking words, but rather you're lacking Clarity. You're lacking understanding. So in the simple words, anybody please can help me. If you're searching for Simcha, I understand many people come you know, from America, but I'm sure that this American idol of fun, right, having fun in life, is, uh, you know, well spread. We all, all, everybody wants fun. Okay. But speaking about Simcha, how do you achieve Simcha in life in simple words? Remember, Simcha, we're talking about you all the time, right? We dedicated the word, you know, the, to, to my, our, our mutual town with Simcha, our conversation. So how do you achieve Simcha? I see, and what's your name? Benji. Benji. Ah, Benji. Okay, and you, you also raise your hand? No, sorry. You, no, you're welcome, you're welcome. Ah, you're welcome. Okay, so Benji, please. Simcha is giving. Simcha is giving. 
Beautiful. I love it. I love it. Simka is giving. Anything else? Yes. And your name is? Shlomo. Shlomo. Okay. Shlomo, please. Appreciation. Appreciation. I agree with both. Simcha is giving and Simcha is appreciation. Beautiful. Anything else? Yes. Simcha is relying on God. Actually, this is what David uh, Lapian said. He said, a wife relies on the husband, but the husband has to rely on the Kosh Borho. So, and, and the whole idea of Sukkot is learning to rely on Hashem. Even though both, of course, a woman and a, ha- and, and, and a man both have to rely on Hashem, but Hatachas Olokim Anoichi was Yaakov's answer. And the answer that Rochel could give him, En Hachinami, for me, a woman, you Tachas Olokim. In a way, husband projects Hashem in a certain way. So yes, to, to search for someone to rely, to rely on, and this someone is about. Beautiful. Any other ideas? So, so far we have three beautiful ideas. Giving, appreciation, and reliance. Beautiful. Bitochen. Bitochen leads to Simcha. Beautiful. Anything else? What would you say? So, as you think, you're still thinking? You're thinking together with me? Oh, yeah, no? Not yet, not yet. Thinking? Okay. What is Simcha? How do I achieve Simcha? So, I suggest just to look at the very simple posok of David Amelach. Anybody knows the posok we can say from uh, Mizmor Lisoida? There is a Mizmor Lisoida we say every single morning. And when we're speaking about Shlomo appreciation to Kosh Bohu, we say the words of David Amelach, Evdo es Hashem Pesimcha. How do you understand these words? How do you understand these words? Yes. And your name is? Ram. Ram, beautiful name. And how you do that? Uh, come to appreciate what you're doing. Every day. But does it mean that, oh, listen, I'm going to fulfill mitzvah's feeling now. I better be joyful. Is that what it means? Oh, I'm going to learn Torah now. Hashem, help me to feel joyful. What What does it mean? How do yeah, you do I that? I Actually, I agree with you because if not for a choice to be happy or not, be misameach or not, Hashem would not give a commandment. If there is Hashem besimcha, He would not punish us as the entire churban happened because the story says, Tachas asher lo avates Hashem alokecho besimcha. If you did not work, did not serve Hashem besimcha, all the tragedies, all the exiles, everything happened because of that. So I would say, you know what, maybe, just just a, as a thought for you, I think that uh, actually, Magit Midubna, he said, you know, let me give an, an example. He said, imagine a person is traveling by train and has a very heavy, has, has a luggage, very light uh, luggage. And then he gets out of the train and a servant is looking for his luggage and picks up a luggage and carries it like under, you know, with, with, you know, complaints. You know, it's so heavy, it's so heavy, it's so difficult. Hard to be a Jew, it's difficult to be a Jew. How hard it is to be a Jew. He's carrying this luggage very, you know, burdened. And uh, this person, the traveler, looks and says, you are carrying a luggage, but not mine. 
mind luggage is not is not heavy. In other words, what Magid Medubna was saying, if it's difficult, you're probably serving. But the question is who? Who are you serving? Because if you would be serving Hashem, the consequence of you serving Hashem, the byproduct, the result of you serving Hashem is Simcha. And I want to jump to a completely different example of Viktor Frankl in concentration camp was discovering that there were two kinds of people. People who were selfish and as Sigmund Freud said that every normal human being has to work you know, according to his reflexes and instincts and if people are starved enough they will fight for food like animals and kill each other. And Viktor Frankl writes, yes, there were some people who acted like that. They were like animals. But anybody who was in a concentration camp also saw people who were like angels, who were caring for others, who were helping others, who were sacrificing for others, who were contributing to others. And those people, let me stop for a second, among those two people, which group, Victor Franklin is, had a greater chance to survive? Huh? Why? Huh? Because they had meaning. And he realized, if person is searching for meaning, and he finds meaning, and he finds meaning and giving, and helping, he finds strength and joy and fulfillment of his mission now, and it gives him strength to overcome almost any obstacle. So the greatest joy to a person can be is actually to help him to find that that needs to be found. And when I'm speaking about this, I just want to stop for a second and say that's such an important thing. It means that even though Ibdus Hashem Simcha relates to everybody, and Avodah Hashem is very, very broad, but every one of us has a chelik in the Torah, and chelik in the and we need to find ourselves in the Torah, ourselves in Avodah Hashem. And how do you do that? So just simply as an example of this, I uh, was speaking to Rabbi Pinchas Goldsmith, who was a rabbi um, in Moscow for many, many years, 33 years he was a rabbi in Moscow. And when I interviewed him, I asked him, Rabbi, I heard that you ran away because of the pressure of the government um, and uh, you didn't want to support the war. And he answered me publicly, yes. And the, the answer is because I, on 24th of February, went to sleep in Moscow and woke up in Tehran. And it's a different country. And until then, the, the government didn't put pressure on me, on the Jewish community. And now they put pressure on me and the Jewish community to support the war. And I refuse to do so because this will cause Hillel Hashem. And I'm not happy and not ready to be part of the Hillel Hashem of supporting the war. And he said that he heard a story, he heard a shir of Rab, uh, the chief rabbi of Britain, who once gave a shir in, uh, in Yeshiva Neresrol, uh, who spoke, uh, Rabbi Jacobowitz, right, Rabbi Jacobowitz. And he spoke about the concept of Kiddush, of Kiddush Hashem and Hillel Hashem. And he said at the time of the sin of the golden cap, Moshe Rabbeinu is begging forgiveness from Akosh Borhu in saying, Hashem, if you destroy these people, what the nations of the world will say about you? So Robert Jacobowitz said, 
the behavior of the Jewish people, how we behave, projects on HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And if we behave in a negative, ugly way, people look at us and say, look how the nation of Hashem behaves. What was the thing about Yiddishkeit, about Torah, about Hashem? He said, I was not ready to be part, so therefore I left and I said what I think. And I asked them, and what do you think about us being quiet and silent? And he said, you know, I'll tell you something. For 70 years, we were complaining that when Nazis and their collaborators were murdering us, what did the world do? The world was silent. And the world is watching us, said to me, Pinter's girlfriend. What are we doing? This is what he said. The next day, I actually interviewed his assistant, Rabbi Shimon Levin, who lives already in Israel a few years. Also served 13 years in, uh, in Russia. He's a Russian Jew. I asked him, you know, many people say it's not our war. I'm sure that many people here will agree. Why should we care about Ukrainians who killed Jews? Why should we care about this war? It's not our war. So I said, what do you think about people who say it's not our war? So he said, it's very difficult for me to say it's not our war because when they killed us, it was not their war. Now they're they, they killing them. And it's not our war, question mark? And how can it be? Will it be part of the world? Of course, as a government, as politics, and everything else. But when people are murdered, and especially when Achenu Bnei Yisrael, so many communities destroyed, so many schools destroyed, so many Jews basically killed and destroyed, and, it's, it's, we, and we continue living like nothing, he said, I felt when the war began, I couldn't go to sleep. For, for months, I felt that something is burning. I felt pain. I responded to him and I said, I felt exactly the same. And I think, in a way, it's a sign that you are a healthy human being because you feel the pain of others. You feel the pain of the Ukrainian communities. Ukrainian Jews and Ukrainian general and, and the pain of Russian soldiers who were killed. You feel this pain. It means you're not numb. It means you're not paralyzed. How wonderful it is that you feel this pain, that we feel this pain, because if you feel this pain, Bezos Hashem, you would also feel the joy when the time will come. So he responded to me and he said, you know, some people think that Yiddishkeit is limited to eating kosher. He's a big rov who knows how Lohas speaks about kashas and writes about kashas. He says people think that Yiddishkeit is limited to kashas, to Shabbos and to other things. But anybody who knows Torah, Subim, Nevim, Hazal, Halacha, understands that the moral behavior, in a way, maybe even primary, like he said, I'm going to quote a Rebbe of mine, Rebitzak Ezrahi. You know who Rebitzak Ezrahi is? Rebitzak Ezrahi today is a Rosh Yeshiva of Nir Yeshiva. And he said, listen to what he said, beautiful, even if you remember just these words, Dayenu. He said, Torah was not giving to Behema. Did you hear this word in the name of Rabbi No? Torah was not giving to Behema. Because if Behema will eat kosher food and rest on Shabbos, Behema will remain Behema. Torah is giving to a mensch. You know what means? Uh, first of all, uh, first of all, a yid has to be a mensch. 
I responded to him and I said, you know what? Rebitzek Ezrahi also was my Rebbe. And you know what he said? He said to us the same. He said, Vatirena Hamayaldus Eselakim Velo Asuka Asher Tsibaparoi. The Mayaldus had fear of Hashem and didn't kill the Jewish babies. So he said, Do you need to be a Yerushamayim uh, not to kill the babies? Any human, normal human being will do it, no? The answer is no. Because you see so many Nazis said we just follow the orders. So many Soviet KGB officers following the orders. Even today the Russian soldiers following the orders. And, and bombarding civilian population. So many people following the orders. But the answer is you need to have Yerushalayim to follow Hashem's orders, not their orders. But more importantly, he said, what is the uh, measure stick of spirituality? And you know what the measure speak of spirituality? Religiosity. Do you think the length of your peers? Or maybe, you know, your head? Or maybe something else? Which means, They gave heels to the children. So he said, Your Yerushalayim is expressed in the chesed you do to others. Simple. And continued. And it says, do you know how Moshe Rabbeinu became Moshe Rabbeinu? Because it says in the beginning, Vayigdal Ayelet. And the next posuk, Vayigdal Moshe. It's right after he was saved from drowning. Vayigdal Vayigdal. Why do we need to say twice Vayigdal Vayigdal? Rash addresses it and says, first Vayigdal, he was a little baby and he became an adult. Second Vayigdal. Vayigdal Vayigdal Moshe, he became Ligdula. There is a spiritual height that can be measured as well. How do you measure regular height with feet, with centimeters? How do you measure the spiritual height? Interesting. How do you... you, There are people of great spiritual height. And maybe not yet so great. How do you measure? So, like you said, you know how you measure? Vayigdal Moshe... And then, anybody remembers the continuation? Vayigdol Moshe, Vayar Basivlosom. He went out of his palace, and what did he do? And he saw the suffering of his brothers. What does Russia say? Nosan Einov Valiboliroiz. He put his eyes, but not only eyes, his heart, to feel the pain of his brothers. This is the spiritual height of the person. And therefore, I just suggest that. When we search for ourselves, the pain that we feel for others is maybe an indication that something that we can improve. If you feel the pain of a needy person, if you feel pain that a person who needs to discover his Yiddish guide, or whatever you feel the pain around the world, or in your community, in your Kehila, in your Mishpocha, this pain will lead you to act like Moshe Rabbeinu did. And then you search and you ask yourself, what do I want to do? Who I want to dedicate myself to because the mitzvah is Gdoishim to you. What is Gdusha? Rabbi Shimon Shkob says Gdusha is dedicating yourself to others. To be Am Kodush, of course, to Koshborko. But Rabbi Shimon Shkob says, based on the Chazal, you, you search how can I dedicate myself to Kulalisro? How can I dedicate myself to my Kihila? That is our responsibility, our search. Very often people say, ah, 
I want to uh, do this, I want to do that. What I want to do, I don't know what I want to do. Maybe the most important question that I can leave with you with is not what I want to do, but what does Hashem want me to do? And if you learn to want to do what Hashem wants you to do, then you together building the Migdash that was destroyed. And with the destruction of the Migdash is loss of purpose and mission in your life. And therefore what we're mourning, we're mourning that we don't know why to cry. We don't, if you don't know why to cry to Shabbat, this is exactly the reason why are we crying. But if we begin the search and ask ourselves, what can I do in the world? What can I do for Kiddush Hashem in the world? Where is my, what is my purpose and what is my mission? And then you embrace the mitzvah of avoiding Hashem by Simcha, because Simcha will come when your search brings you to your mission and to your purpose, and you do it with Simcha. All the best to you.